and ride with me in my foul life. What can I say? Um, I often credit this man for uh, our start, our beginnings. He was our inspiration, whether it was road trips, real tree, monster bucks, um, everything that he did in his career. I respected it. I, I wanted to mimic it, even though I knew I couldn't because I wasn't an archer. I wasn't from Booger Bottom, Georgia. I wasn't a whitetail hunter. I was born out west in mule deer country, chucker country, antelope country, and then I became a duck hunter. What? A duck hunter from Nevada? But we got him out here, and I remember my first shot show, not my first one, but one of my first ones. It was the last time it was in Orlando, Florida, and I asked this man to watch the pilot for the first season of The Foul Life. And he did not say no. He walked over and watched it and said, you're on to something here. And um, he was starting Bone Collector at the same time. One of the most successfully ran brands and successful runs of outdoor television in the history of outdoor television. The Bone Collector, the Brotherhood. Michael Waddell is an inspiration. He's an influence. He's an unbelievable voice for who we are in our space as hunters, fishers, gatherers, providers, conservationists, men, women, adults, kids. It doesn't matter. This man's got it going on. I'm honored and proud to call him a friend. Thank you all for listening to Real Tree Presents, the Foul Life Podcast, with our guest today, the one and only Michael Waddell. Yeah, man, I think it. I think it's a the best life. Like, and I, I'm not saying yours specifically, but that style that you are portraying and living out every day. I've I've been having a lot of conversations lately about, you know, how how special just the life is. And I think people, I don't know if you've been seeing this man, but the, the, just the wild game aspect of what you and I do has like in, in the culinary part of it. And then you start talking about farming and the land and, 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 and um, you know, giving back to the wildlife and creating habit habitat and really the word sustainability, right? Like you've been studying this and you've been preaching this for a long time in a way that, that a lot of people have caught onto it. And I think now, now you just become even more of like a cultivator of the land. I think it's just like, there's not a, a cooler lifestyle that could ever be lived by a human being. If you know what I'm saying? Oh, I, I don't disagree. As a matter of fact, I think the, uh, the simpler your lifestyle is, the more in one way rewarding and peaceful it, it can become. And so obviously even what meets the eye, you got perception and you got reality. So, um, you know, the, the reality of it is any, anybody who has any success has a pretty hectic life. I mean, meaning, um, and success can be measured in a lot of different ways. You know, it could be on in businesses. It could be, Oh man, he gets to hunt for a living or man, he gets to play football for a living. Oh man, he's got a beautiful wife and four kids or two kids or one kid. You know, he's got this awesome, beautiful pool or he might have this farm, but everything that you name, well, it is tangible and it is real, but it becomes something that you got to manage. And everything that I just named, whether it's a tractor or a car or material thing, you know, it could require you to take care of it to maintain it. Then you could say, well, super rich people have people that will take care of those things. Well, then you still got to manage and take care of that and you still got to create income to, to pay them. So I know I got off track with even what you're talking about, about the, about the simple life. But what I am explaining is for me, I strive to have the most simple life ever. If I could completely not have a cell phone, possibly an old landline, you know, maybe not even an email, you know, of course here I am zooming from a home in Georgia and we're 
connecting all the way across the country. You know, so obviously we still have technology, but I find that if I ever want to go to a peaceful place, you're right, man. I, I bust out some some deer meat or at best, you know, uh, maybe some old ribeye steak and, you know, cook some wild game or make some chili with my family and cut up a fresh tomato from the garden. So I think when we get stressed with all the chaotic things that reality puts on us, you want to take off uh, that weight of that and put on something real simple that you don't have to think a lot. And sometimes, sometimes that is the most peace. And you realize that, that sometimes it kind of hits me a lot of times, you know, you could technically lose it all possibly. And if you're in the right state of mind and have the right roots, you still gain more than you lost. And that's a uh, pretty profound, I think, but that's, that's very possible if you got the right roots because happiness ain't a mansion. It ain't a huge farm. You can be just as happy in a camper trailer, you know, at the KOA, if you're around the right people. Uh, yeah, you might not can afford a Stella beer and you might be drinking old Bush Light or Natty Light, but I'm telling you, you can be just as, you can be just as happy. Um, so, uh, like I said, the, the simpler things are, the happier it is. And I think that that's why the bulk of our lifestyle is pretty contagious right now because, you know, you finally get around a fire, you finally get a chance to cook some wild game. Then, obviously, if you got game to cook, you had the chance to go hunt it. That was peaceful, but it was also pretty adrenaline-packed to try to put that game in the boat or on the back of the truck. And so, um, I don't know, it's pretty beautiful. It's pretty darn sexy. I dig it. You brought up, you brought up, you know, different types of lifestyles there. And I, and let's, let's, I want to get this out of the way. I want you to answer this for me because a lot of people think of like what you just said, well, if you're rich, money takes care of all the problems. Well, money causes a lot of problems. Um, money can get you if you're not careful with it. Money can change you if you're not careful with it. We probably have both seen that on different levels. You hang out with a lot of quote unquote celebrities. You're a celebrity, but then on a different level, you hang out with music celebrities, acting celebrities, political celebrities. You just had a, a great episode with Jimmy John cooking hamburgers in Illinois. I watched it again last yeah. night for the second time this week. I was bragging to T-Bone the other day of, of how good the message was that came out of that. You always have a good message, but Talk to me, Michael Waddell, about the Luke Bryans, the Jason Aldeans, the Blake Sheltons. I've I've seen you with all of these guys just in the last maybe 45 days hunting turkeys and bass fishing with them. Do you think that hunting and that lifestyle that you and I are so proud to be a part of keeps guys and women like that grounded more so than maybe not living that hunting lifestyle and having all that fame and that celebrity and that wealth because Jason's got wealth and Luke's got wealth and they deserve it. They're talented people, but it doesn't mean all their problems go away. Do you think that lifestyle of staying relaxed on the farm and chasing a turkey when they get the opportunity brings them back to truly who they are? I do. I do because I think that the people that get around that campfire that practice the lifestyle, I don't think it's just hunting. I think the people that typically come around that and the people that they become really deep friends with um, certainly becomes this security. And what happens is, you know, hunting is a melting pot of so many different cultures that goes into this culture of hunting. In my opinion, like I said, I'm not a psychologist. You know, I feel like as I get older, I become more philosophical, but I will say I do think that that is the common ground. So it becomes not about being any kind of celebrity. It becomes about the simplicity of enjoying the hunt and you get to know each other at a, at a 
very deep level, more than being at this Catalina wine mixer, you know, when you're walking around in a suit and tie and kind of having to play a part. There's no part to be played when you're out there on a dove stool. There's really no part to play when you're out there fishing. Um, and obviously, from my standpoint, there, there's so much respect that I have in them as far as their accomplishments. But at the end of it, you start to know them as people. And, um, and that's what you become friends with. And you almost forget that they have any fame or fortune. And I think goes the same with them because those type characters that you name, they're not looking to surround themselves with any type of name or celebrity. They're looking to surround themselves with peaceful, good, positive people that, that they're interested in, that possibly have respect in, that make them a better person. And in return, these people and what they've accomplished make us better people when we realize how hard they worked and we respect what they do. So I do think hunting is the best place to cultivate and get to know people and to, to enjoy it. And it's very spiritual, meaning, I mean, you know, you, you can be an atheist, but when you're hunting, you, you get this sense that, no, there's God. There's God. I mean, there, there's no way there's not. You know, when the sun's coming up and you hear the birds singing, you're sitting there with a guy that could be a billionaire. You're sitting here with a guy that the whole world's watched his show the last three nights because it's been live. But now you're sitting there and you're just a little speck of sand here in the world wake up. And you know that this turkey, this goblin is probably going to beat you. Um, so all the money, all the tactics, everything we got, there's a better and good chance this turkey's going to win the battle. And it kind of brings you down to reality. Luckily, we got hamburgers to grill. We got all of these things we can go back and eat and snacks and candy bars. But, you know, if we were to be primitive, we'd be thinking, man, this would be pretty tough if we got to kill this turkey just to eat. Now, when we do get that turkey, we obviously tickled about putting them a little pickle juice and put some good seasoning on them and, and frying them up or grilling them. But uh, I, I think that's where the humbleness comes in. And it just becomes very simple. Like we talked about earlier, it becomes very simple. And, and I do think that that part of life keeps them simply grounded to their roots. And I will say, I think what's special about those guys you just named, I don't think they ever completely lost their roots because when they surround themselves with those type people, they remind them every day. So therefore they can't forget it. But I do think you can get lost in the LA shuffle, maybe the New York city shuffle, maybe the Las Vegas shuffle. You can be around people that are not sincere and that can happen around the hunting industry too. People are not sincere. They're fake. They're two faced. Um, and the next thing you know, you don't have anything real, but it felt like you had friends. It felt like you were living this fun lifestyle, but in reality, it was just a, it might as well have been a dream because there was nothing of substance to it where you don't find that much in hunting. Typically, these are people that will be friends for the rest of your life. And if these same people were to not be a household name and, you know, and even in my case, relationship I got with them, you know, if I just quit doing television show and never shot another animal, I'm, I'm a hundred percent convinced these guys would be my friends from now on out. And, and it's nice to have people like that, that are your friends, but I also got some hard hitting friends over here in Booger Bottom, Georgia, that, Hell, they ain't got a pot to piss in, but I know they're just as loyal and, and my friend and I am to them. So it's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of a big picture type of deal when you when you get at that level. You transitioned so perfectly, Waddell, because I was honestly just going to go into this. How do you tell somebody like me, or if you're given, if I asked you to deliver a seminar on how does one Michael Waddell read people, transition from 
somebody that might live in a trailer in Booger Bottom, Georgia, or somewhere down in Louisiana that's just an unbelievable frog gigger, right? But then all of a sudden, you're playing with some of the biggest entrepreneurial minds in the country that have created not not millions, we're talking billions of dollars in wealth. You've, you, you're talking with guys that have their own G4s and right. employ their own pilots. But then on the next page, you've got somebody standing in line that makes $27,000 yeah. a year at a Waffle House, which God bless them because I love going to Waffle House and watching a badass short order cook do his thing or her thing. But how do you tell the people, Michael Waddell, how you've done it? Because it's so awesome to watch somebody that has become a rock star in his own right in this area, which I know you don't say that. I say that. A lot of people say that. I've watched it with my own eyes over the last decade or longer. How do you say you've you've been able to do that? Because you're so good at going from this guy that doesn't have a pot to piss in to a guy that's got a G4. It, I mean, for me, it's simple. It's, um, you know, one is we're all human and, and second of all, I think what makes the ease is sense of security. Um, and for me, um, I, I only like to continuously surround myself with people that I know that are very secure in themselves. And when you find great security, typically you find transparency. And when you got that transparency, you kind of already know the good and bad, but the best part about that is that security and transparency. And so that's what I find that's so refreshing about whether it's being at a show and you're shaking hands with just a good old man, just a down home, good old guy that come from exactly where I come from. That's just been hanging sheetrock. And finally he's got a Saturday. He can come and try to buy him a few duck calls or Turkey calls or find a deal on a deer stand. And he comes by and, you know, what hell, what's up buddy. And, and when they talk to me, it'd be the first time I've met and, and I'm talking to them like I knew them forever. And possibly they could be my cousin. I mean, seriously, possibly could. You know, I might be in Pennsylvania, but it's like, dude, that, this might be my kin people. And we're talking immediately like we know each other. And um, and for me, it is an immediate, secure, bona fide, legitimate relationship, even though we've not had any relationship. It's about we understand each other through the culture, through the security. And that exact same situation happens like this past year when I met, you know, if we want to name drop, uh, you know, like J Jay Cutler, you know, I hunted with him for the first time. I had a chance to meet uh, Luke this year, Luke Bryan for the first time. And it was like the security was off the charts. The, the humbleness was off the charts on both sides. And it literally felt like we were brothers and, and we went and had a great experience and, uh, and it literally, honestly, even though, yes, it was Luke Bryan, you know, and he's very successful, it felt no different than the hunt that I just did before that with a friend of mine in Alabama that literally, you know, sells plants and pot and soil. And that to me is what's amazing. And so in the end, I think what bonds true relationships is great security and, um, and just no BS, just no BS, just, just straight people, just straight good people. And that's what you find a lot of in the hunting industry. You don't find a lot of false faking people. They're straight up and they're, and they're, and they're straight up and to the point that they'll tell you what they don't like. I love the transparency of these shows. I mean, they'll come up, Chad, and you see it. What else? 
man, I love that, man. I don't, I don't give a dang about seeing that, man. I, that was a boring ass show you did from so-and-so. But God, dog, man, you killed that turkey at three steps, man. That was unbelievable. Hey, man, you been over there at that steakhouse down the road? And, and I'm like, no, but I heard it's good. Oh, man, we going. Hell, steaks are, you know, they're. They're $30 a piece. That's ridiculous. I can go over here at Longhorns. Get, and, and for me, it honestly, now this would be a first time. Now, this person coming in talking at me, and the first thing he said was is he didn't like a particular show, but he loved this one, and maybe he loved a rant that I did on Facebook. And I'm telling you, I really just want to go eat with them. I mean, it's just like it was like talking to my uncle. But you find the same thing when you're hanging with a Jimmy John. They're, they're straight to the point. They're unbelievable. Um, they got this humble confidence about them. And when you resonate that back and that's real from you, I just think that most good people, whether they're very successful or broke are successful because that's who they are. And if you've got that, it is a gift. And a lot of people don't have comfort in that. And that's why I think there's a lot of multimillionaires that are completely miserable because they figured out that it wasn't money that solved their problem. Um, and there's a lot of people 10 times happier that's living in a place that maybe don't have a lot of the amenities that, that we would think we'd strive to have, but they are so happy, you know, and they know that Friday night they're going down to the VFW and they're going to have $2 beer and they're going to have specials on the onion bloom and they're karaoke and they know that by God, they're about to hit old red, sing it in the key of D and change it up a little bit. And it's going to be a good weekend. They're going to grill cheeseburgers and go to the, go to a pool party for the kids little league game on Sunday. And they're so happy. And that is what I think happiness is. And I think even if you got the money, if you ain't got a certain part of that in your life, you don't have nothing. And um, so that, that's just, that's just my, that's just my place on it. Um, that, that's how I feel about it. You mentioned, I love this. You mentioned security that you find common bond with people that have that self security and that confidence to be transparent me and you are both approaching 50 years old. Mm -hmm. When do you think you can look back in your life and know that you had what you're describing? You know, I, I felt like the security part of it, I didn't even know that I might've have had, had that, but I realized that I didn't give a shit a long time ago. Um, probably when road trip started uh, only because I knew the people that went to the VFW. I knew the people that lived in the trailer. I had lived in a trailer for the big part of my life until my dad remodeled that trailer. Literally it's a chassis of a trailer underneath my dad's house. And so I realized that, wait a minute, what have I got and who have I got to fool? What big dogs do I got to fool? Because I am really eager to see what this life could be like. But at the same time, I was really happy back here. There's some things I'd like to improve I certainly would like a little better air conditioner than I had growing up, uh, which was none until we got a little window unit. And I'm not saying I was broke. I'm just saying we were country, simple people. So I realized probably it was around 1997 to 98 is when I realized that I didn't need any of the fakeness. Um, now in that, there's a lot of mistakes I made and we talked about that in some other podcasts, but what I did realize is when I was at a place one time, I was in a meeting one time with a bunch of executives at a huge network at the time. And I remember not feeling out of place and very, very humble to be there. I was excited. A lot of my people I'd looked up to and producers and personalities are there in the hunting space. 
But the way they ended up talking to a lot of these mentors of mine really disgusted me. And they were very condescending. And I felt like they thought they were smarter. And I felt like they were looking down on the culture. And I remember that was a huge turning point in my life. It's like, man, I don't give one rat's butt about the way these people are. I know my people. I know the hunter. I know what kind of people, good redneck people are, hardworking, um, you know, dirty truck moms that ride minivans. I know what they represent. And I, I come from that and I'm secure with that. And sure, I'm in a place that's a lot nicer than I thought I would be. I'm around names and money that I never thought I would be worthy around. Then it hit me right there. I was like, I'm just as worthy as anybody here because I know America and I come from America and I come from hardworking side of America, blue collar. And so that is when it hit me. I'm like, man, if the industry don't appreciate who I am, then I don't even care about the industry. I am not going to fold and bow down to whatever type of this is the mandate this is the how it's got to be this is what you got to wear this is what you got to look like this is how serious you got to be this is what tactic you got to use and now we still fight that you know we're fighting that now on social media head scratching type of stuff the way you post to go hunt ducks and catch fish based on not you know they they wouldn't like to call themselves purists but they certainly come into it and say you've got to mirror and got to hunt and look and do what i do otherwise we're not going to try to sell you on it. We're just going to try to make your way of life illegal. You see that in gun legislation. You see that that comes from people who want guns, but they don't want this gun. And so that's a whole other subject we can dig into later. So I think for me, Chad, getting back to that question, I found a sense of security or if you don't want to label it that, don't give a shit a long, long time ago. I've never walked into a room worrying if somebody likes me or not um, but because I've, I've tried to learn to, to, to love myself, but also dislike myself when I fail what I think my standards are. And I've done it plenty of time. You know, I heard Clint Boyer say, baby, I'll let you down. I've seen me do it. And I thought, I thought that was pretty funny. He said that one night to his wife, we was hanging out. I'd laugh. I thought that was the best line ever. So I know I'll let myself down and let other people down. I've seen me do it as Clint Boyer said, but um, at the end of it, I'm very secure at being a country boy who, who mispronounces things. I strive to, improve my grammar and say was when I should have said were or, or, or opposite of that. I try to pronounce my words right when I'm on a podcast, whether it's with you or Fox News. Um, I, I, but I also try to treat everybody the same. Um, and, and that for me has been really easy because I don't think uh, I don't I don't think necessarily um, you know, love and respect comes with thinking you got to get some type of payment back. I think I think it comes with just that's if you if you do that, then no matter what comes, you get it within if you understand if you did the right thing. And so that has brought a lot of security with me. Now, where I'm at now is I'm still highly competitive. And I think there's a difference in security and competitive competitiveness. I still am very competitive. Um, and, and, and decently hungry in a lot of areas of my life. Um, but the security I think I, I've had for a long time, and honestly, I didn't know this, probably now is when I look back and say, I think that was a reason for success, is if somebody said, well, I don't like how you're doing this, then I'm like, well, so what? You know, I probably wouldn't like you either. But, I, man, that's fine. Let's, uh, let's like the fact that we both don't like each other, and you go over there, and I'll go over here, and I'll hunt the way I hunt. And I like my style and I don't even really like your style, but I actually, the difference was I do respect you over here and how you're doing it. And you don't have to like me. Um, 
I'd never done it for you. I, I never did this because I was thinking, hoping you'd come by and I'd sign your hat. But for those who do come by and say, Waddell, love your show, love what you stand for. Can you sign my hat? Man, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe you you do like me. I said, thank you. And I hugged her neck and and they're my brothers and they're my sisters. But at the same time, the people that dislike me, I still don't get hung up and it don't really bother me. And I still kind of, in a lot of cases, still like them. There are some people that, that I know probably don't like my style, but I kind of like theirs. You know, <laughs> prime example is I could use Green Day. I guarantee you Billy Armstrong would not, because that's his name, I think it is. He probably wouldn't like me in the core of me, but dang, man, I like their music and I still like them. And, and I mean, I ain't never met him. He might, he might, but you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I love Robert Duvall. Would Robert Duvall like me and you, Chad? I don't know. Really don't care. I just like his work. What kind of guy is he? Not sure. He's an actor, so he, he might not be the same guy. Um, Does it touch you so, different though? If that actor steps up and uses his platform or her platform to try to diminish your well-being or your your livelihood such as let's just use an example um donald j trump becomes our president i love robert de niro robert de niro comes unglued says all this really 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 mean bad stuff to where i'm like whoa like i didn't yeah. stand up on my tv show and say that about obama even though i didn't agree yeah. with everything about that and i'm not going to do it about the guy that's in office right now but in your in your psyche michael waddell does that make you go i might not watch a, a robert de niro movie as easy as i once would have yeah, it does. It, it, I, I wished it didn't, but it does. And and as a matter of fact, I, I I watched a movie the other day and Robert De Niro was in it. And I was thinking, wow, what an amazing actor. I mean, you know, in my mind, you know, I'm, I get tied up in the storyline, but I'm smart enough and know the reality that they are acting and playing this role. And I was amazed and I still enjoyed it. I still enjoyed the movie, but but yes, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, what a tool, man. This This guy has no connection to probably anything that I possibly stand for. And even though I might can say, okay, and try to understand, you know, you, you hating on somebody that, that I respected, that I thought loved America and, and certainly didn't agree with everything Donald Trump did. I mean, you know, he would go off on a tangent too and certainly had it, had an ego and, and egos never offended me. I, I kind of like people that's got confident little ego around me. Those are guys you want on your team when they're fighting. I don't want no little humble soft man especially in the world seems to be putting that down all the time but in the case of say robert de niro especially like i was reading some stuff bet midler put up there oh. i've always thought that she was an amazing woman you know and uh you know I, I could go on forever you know celine dion and i'm like god sometimes i do wish they would just shut up and do their stuff but then i think well sometimes i'm an advocate too and i speak up and i'm sure they wouldn't like me because of but, but, but you're right, Chad, I, I'm not going to go in and completely fill it up with hate like they do. It's straight hate, man. It, you know, for me, I feel like I'm coming at it like, well, here's my opinion. Here's my stance. Here's my lifestyle. But I'm not trying to fill it with a bunch of hate. Um, there, there's a difference. It's just an opinion. And theirs go past opinion. It goes into this hate rhetoric and you know, and then then next thing you know, somebody says something, that same type of people or group of people, then they want to arrest somebody for a hate speech. And I'm like, well, you doing nothing but speaking hate. And so, uh, yeah, it does. It, it does affect me. Um, but it don't bother me the fact to think that, well, Robert De Niro will never like me or our culture. And I'm like, well, that's fine. That's, he's missing out. He's missing out on some damn good fried chicken, some collard greens and a good time around a campfire 
and a bunch of stories, some of which will be true, but it'll be some good old boys. He's missing out, not me, because maybe he wouldn't be that fun around the fire. But almost every time I found Chad, as you talk about these personalities and these people of great success financially and entrepreneurs, almost, well, in my experience, 100% of the time, when they step over into this culture, they, their mind is blown. And if we talk about those same names, um, they will tell you the same thing. When they've been colleagues and worked with those guys, these celebrities, when they have these people come to their farms and experience their family and experience this country hunting, you know, salt of the earth house and home and simple, even if it's really nice, their mind is blown and it becomes a little house on the prairie to these people that's never experienced it. And I think that's it. I've also learned in a lot of these people, Chad, they just don't know this exists and they've already stereotyped what they think it is, but they don't know this side of what we live every day. They don't know that it exists at the level of what it truly is. They've only been fed propaganda and or have not been fed anything and don't know and make a false perception of it. But when they step into it, their mind is completely blown and changed. It doesn't mean they're going to walk away and be a hunter, but they want to be around that campfire. hundred percent. I've had a hundred percent success with that. Um, and so that's, that says a lot for our culture and our people, because it's not me. It's not Michael Waddell. It's not Chad building. That just is the culture that lives through us. So we had a chance to see them. We had a chance to meet them. We had a chance to have them and have that experience. And that experience every time sticks with these people. That is 100% for sure. I agree 100%. And I'm, I'm going back a little bit about what you talked about um, with some of the infighting, the ego. Um, there's, I feel, I'm not going to say any names, but I feel that there's actually people in this space that really don't even support the culture that I support or that I stand for. I feel like there is a lot of, a lot of maybe just, it's not transparent. It's not really honest. They're in it for the wrong reason kind of deal. I see it a lot out here, a lot out in the West, Michael Waddell in this Westerny kind of movement. Um, I do see it a lot. Um, I seen it in some different, different organizations that I don't know if they completely support what you and I stand for. Um, do you think that it's regionally based and hear me out being from Booger Bottom, Georgia, I just had a podcast yesterday, a local podcast telling this individual that I wish I was from the South. Not that I'm not proud of my mom and dad for being here and having us out here in the Western United States, but I have zero. And when I say zero, Michael, I mean zero connection with this part of the country. When I go down to where you're from and I was there a week yeah. ago, I feel like I never want to leave here. There's manners. There's... Yeah. There's, there's family, there's tradition, there's culture, there's energy, there's aura, there's swagger, there's a little ego, but it's a good one. There's welcoming. And I'm sitting there going, I wonder if this is where I was supposed to be from. I wonder if I, I do have kin down here. I know that I, I, I have family that live down there, but they, they kind of moved there from Colorado and other areas out here, but they live in, they live in Huntsville now and attended Auburn university. Some of them are in new Orleans. My, my question to you, Waddell, is 
does this really happen in the South or do you see this movement of this, this, the ego and all of that stuff of like, you need to do it this way. You can't do it this way. You need to do, you need to fly fish this way. You can't hunt public lands this way. I see it a lot out here, but I don't know if I see it a lot from where you're from. I don't know if what I'm saying is transcending to what you're thinking right now, but I think the South gets it. And I don't know if the, if, if out here where I'm from East or West of the Mississippi really understands what this culture is all about. I'm not saying that mule deer hunters and sheep hunters and elk hunters and and these guys aren't awesome i just don't know if we get it out here as well as they get it down there from where you're from um i mean that that could be true you know i never thought of it that deep i I do think there's assholes that live everywhere and i know there's great people that live everywhere too but i do know coming from the south there is an element of we don't really give a shit and but come on in we're eating tonight man what's your name and and there is that southern hospitality but there is this welcoming and security. I think it still gets back to that security. I think nobody, it, it, it happens. I mean, we get in squabbles a lot. I mean, you know, especially around hunting deer and stuff and how old they are and how to do it, and what to do. And I mean, th- th- there's that, but overall, I will say, if you want to break it down demographically into cultures, um, I do think the South is a culture that, even though if you see mainstream media, you'll think we're the biggest racist and we're the biggest, you know, ultra conservatives that just, if you don't live our life, then, you know, we hate you. I, I don't see that. I've never seen that. Now I see a lot of the Southerners that will call a spade a spade. You know, they will call good, good. And they will call evil, evil. And there's not a lot of, you know, riding the fence. You know, I've always said, you, know, you can get on the fence, boy, but you get that old crotch caught up in that top wire, it's going to hurt. You better get on one side or the other. And then, and so I do think that that does exist. And I think what happens to Chad a lot, and you have to be careful with this, no matter what part of the country, if you ever start thinking that you become smarter, that you become more pure, that you're better, that possibly you're cooler, that you know more and you're trying to represent something or especially in a situation you're an organization or you're an industry and you become smarter than the people that support it then all of a sudden you're going to lose most everything eventually and i think same can be said with the government so i do think there is a sense of reality grassroots that lives in the south that is very welcoming despite what some may think, but there's also a sense of fight and pride in saying, you might think that you are smarter than us because you talk a little better and you don't have the same slang and rhetoric and don't speak in analogies and, and you ain't got the slapstick kind of shit kicking fun personality. But in reality, we know that, that we are pretty dang smart and we can play a dumb redneck if we want to. But in the end, we're ju- we're judging your intelligence. So I do think that exists in the South, and I do think sometimes there is a an elitist movement in the hunting space, especially. And I think if you probably looked at any industry or space, there's always these elitists that know it all, and and it doesn't bother me what they know. It doesn't bother me at what tactics and what and how they hunt. You know whether they're pitching a little tent and you know eating mountain house and you know, whatever, you know, however they do it and uncurving and finding freaking centipedes and worms under a rock and, and eating them with no salt or preservatives because they're keeping their body pure. I, it doesn't matter to me what 
does bother me is that they come across as they know it all. And then once they bring up a subject that they're completely inaccurate on, completely biologically wrong on, and completely wrong on their tactic that they're trying to diminish based on being detrimental to the sport or to the hunt, or this person had no skill if he didn't do it that way, they become the judge and jury of trying to prove if you are deserving to shoot that duck, that elk, that turkey, that deer, that moose. That really bothers me because these same know-it-alls that know very little piss me off because now it makes me feel like I need to come across as a know-it-all because, damn it, I do know what they're talking about and they're wrong. So I think that elitist-type mentality really bothers me because I think it's very un-American. Now, being elite is not un-American. Being elitist at the fact that I or you or this group is going to say you will hunt, you will go by this method of hunting and this tactic, and I'm not only going to try to sell it to you and tell you, I'm just going to make it legal that you can only hunt the way I hunt and your way of hunting is illegal. That becomes in my opinion, very communist, almost dictator, Nazi-like Germany to, to dictate that. And I don't believe in that. I believe in everybody can talk a little different, hunt a little different, have diff different tactics. And the only way that I think it should be evaluated, if you can prove to me that a tactic is completely detrimental, detrimental to our wildlife, to our fisheries, to our herds, to our flocks, now I'm open ears, but I don't think we got a lot out there. And so what happens is these people that you're describing, in my opinion, Chad, they become above the majority of us hunters. They might not come out and say it, but there's a certain little rich flair to them that they are a little better than you, Chad. They're a little better than Booger Bottom and his way of hunting turkeys. And yes, okay, he won a world championship, but he's not as pure as me. I pick up my trash a little more efficiently and what I eat is better. And look at me. I don't call them a thunder chicken. They're a wild turkey gobbler. And I'm like, man, shut <laughs> up, dude. I'm in the South. I freaking call my wife sweet cakes, honey bun. Her name is Christy. I get it. We're not being disrespectful. Have you ever thought about having personality? You're dry as a popcorn fart. And this is 2022, and it's okay to laugh and have fun. It's okay for things to be easy sometimes. It is not. It does not make you undeserving if you didn't get up and run Vaseline all over yourself and take a selfie to put on Instagram and then jog 10 miles to get to the top of the mountain while eating some type of soy meal-based something. For God's sake, just don't get a granola bar Swiss cake roll and go out there and have fun with a buddy like T-Bone that's now down to one leg, which is going to find success this year hunting stuff because we're going to make sure of it if we have to, you know, pick them up and tote them over our shoulder or put them in a chair or freaking get a helicopter. We will find a way to get that boy on a deer and because I need him around the campfire. I need the laughs. I need the jokes. I need to tell him we need to talk about hunting thunder chickens and having a good time at Old Moss back. And we are going to have a good time. And these people who are so pure and so perfect are going to dictate to me who is deserving. And I'm thinking this person had to start somewhere 
So if we measure all this around skill, Chad, and how hard it is, then who, who ever deserved their first duck? Who ever deserved their first deer or turkey based on their skill set? None of us. It develops over time. So they're missing the whole point. So it's not all their fault. They have psyched themselves into this, I am better than you, I'm more pure than you, and my tactic is the way everybody should hunt. That is very boring. If we got it down to that, hunting would fall on its face. And another thing you got to realize, my personal opinion is a lot of these people are very greedy. They hide behind the conservation and environmentalism, but they become very greedy because I'm not even saying they're not good hunters. A lot of them are good hunters, Chad. Don't make no mistake. These guys fill their tags, but deep down they're pissed at us for filling tags. They're also pissed off that we are recruiting new hunters to share this campfire with. They want it all to themselves. It's like the fat kid hiding the cookies from his brothers. They don't want everybody else to get a cookie. And then if you do get one, they're going to they're gonna be like, well, you, you know, you didn't deserve it. You didn't even deserve, you didn't even deserve it, dude. You got up at 12 o'clock and you was freaking playing your PlayStation. You didn't deserve an Oreo. Well, we're eating the same damn Oreo. But you deserved it because you got up at six in the morning and got it. And asshole, you're the one that's trying to hide it away from the world. And I'm trying to say, hey, guys, we got Oreos. You know, we only got 20. Okay, we got, you know, we got 19. Well, we all going to get one. I guess we all we ain't going to get three. They want three. Matter of fact, they want more than three. They want, they want 15. And maybe they got a few of their other buddies there share the other five with. But they hide behind the fact they're trying to conserve these Oreos. That's my opinion. When if you look at the history of the people that has conserved hunting, that has made our herds and flocks and fisheries better, it's the general public hunter. So organizations and even companies within the space, they have become above the general hunter. And I will say in a bone collector promotion, bone collector never be about that. I'll never be above or better and I'll never dictate to somebody how they should hunt, what they should do, what kind of dove stool they got to set on and what should be in their dove bucket. I will say be safe, be aware and enjoy your time. You work too damn hard. You have to pay already too much tax and you're freaking dang sure having to pay way too much for diesel and gas right now. You definitely haven't going to pay more for eggs than you ever did. So yeah, get you a chicken coop and enjoy your time in the woods. You never, this person I'm talking to is a hunter. You have never took more than you've given. You've given so much to society by providing for our country. Go enjoy some of this good Lord's renewable resource. I don't care if you use a 12 gauge or 20 gauge or a 410. You've got a limit. And I hope you find success getting it. Now, I can disagree in maybe some things that he does, ethically, possibly. But what is those ethics? Is it deciding to drink a couple Budweiser's before he goes and sits on that stool, which, you know, open the day of Georgia? Is that ethical or not ethical? I would never say you should probably mix alcohol with a firearm. But you got to find a way to be safe. Is he safe? And then if you look at different tactics, what's safe and what's not safe, and then you start realizing that the world is unsafe. I mean, my goodness, it is unsafe. I also don't think it would be safe to strap yourself to an 1,800-pound bull, but people do it all the time, and I sit and watch all the time my kids at the entertainment, seeing them guys, how far they go up in there and if they can ride them for eight seconds. I think it's pretty unsafe to jump out of a damn airplane. People still do it. So is it unsafe to go to the turkey woods with a Jake decoy? 
or turkey hunting in general, it can be dangerous. But that mean we shouldn't do it. How do we measure all these things, Chad? It's crazy. All I can say is the good Lord gave me and everybody I know their own free will. And I think that by rule, there's more good than bad. I think there's more good hunters than bad. As a matter of fact, the bad ones, don't put them in the list of hunters. They're poachers. There's a big difference in celebrating hunters and identifying good hunters with poachers. No different than our gun laws, criminals versus the solid landowner. I mean, the gun owner. So we can go deep. We can jump in a deep rabbit hole. But I promise you, my brand, Bone Collector, and our partners, we stand behind the hunters. I want good hunters and good people around me. I don't care if they come from West Virginia, Alabama. I don't care if they got a pot to piss in. I don't care if they got a jacked up truck or they doing it in a freaking, you know, bored out damn Fiat. I don't care. I don't care if they're Jimmy John Blake Shelton, Chad Belden. I just want these people around my campfire. And all I can promise you is we'll have a good time. I can't promise you we'll out hunt nobody, but we'll out fun everybody. And at the end of it, the reason I hunt is because it's fun to me. I like to laugh, I like to have a good time. And so that's it, man. That's my mission statement in life and the reason I but hunt. But the people you just the people you just described don't have fun doing it. They don't have fun doing it. They don't, they don't they don't they, seem to be. They don't seem or, to be or you know what seems like Chad, it seems like, you know, maybe they do, maybe they don't. It don't appear that they're having fun, but it appears they're most miserable. And this is what bothers me. They're most miserable when we're having and fun. And their best day of having fun in the field is knowing that you or me or somebody else has a bad day. Yes. That is unbelievable. And for me, the most loving, awesome thing that I love about social media is I get to see the kids, the families, the moms, the dads, the granddads, the uncles, people all across the world share me pictures of their success in the field. And they are times that nearly almost brings a tear to my eye because I'm like, man, I'm so happy for them. I never worry about the tactic. And, and I certainly assume that they're legal. I'm not saying everyone I've ever seen on social media that I hadn't said congratulations to, maybe some was one that was over the limit, I don't know. But it brings great joy to me. I never sit and try to pick apart if they were deserving of that. And that bothers me that most people go on, not most, but there's a lot of these people go online and they're trying to figure out if this person was deserving of that based on a tactic, not on something that could be detrimental. It's just they don't agree on certain ways or certain animals or certain weapons you use, whether it be a crossbow, a compound, a recurve, a rifle, or a shotgun, that bothers me. That pisses me off a hell of a lot more than Robert De Niro going on a rant, I can tell you that. And I want to add to this to end this part of the conversation before I have one more subject is what really irritates and pisses me off, Michael Waddell, is when I see things to where hunters alike, like myself or you, would vote against the opportunity for a wounded veteran or a crippled hunter that's in a wheelchair to have a little bit of a head start and to go out into the wild. It might be five days early. There's a lot of stuff in the West United States right now that we we, we got to support these people to get them out in the field. They don't have the same abilities as us if they're on an amputee like T-Bone right now. There's nothing 
wrong, in my opinion, of letting our fellow brothers and sisters and hunters and conservationists and providers go out a little early. I'm not, I'm pretty sure yeah. Michael Waddell could have a 390 on a mountain and he would go there a week early to take a, a, a handicap hunter or a veteran all day long. Am I right, Michael? All day. As a matter of fact, if somebody's listening to this and they're riding the fence and maybe, maybe you're listening to this, I will, I will inquire and beg you to do this. If you don't believe what I'm saying, first of all, Chad's right. There is a lot of people out there that are, that are, that are trying to pass legislators that have possibly, you know, uh, wounded veterans to get a chance to maybe get a chance to hunt when the youth season opens. Some people are dead against the youth season. I'm all for it. Um, I sit here and think, well, I have been blessed to hunt and, and take a lot of animals. But I tell you what you do. If you don't believe this ain't true, you go to these people that are the most angry, that are rallying to trying to change laws. Watch and look at their Instagram accounts. You will find them in a lot of pictures with dead animals. Find the volume of people that they took. Find the kids. Find the friends that they have. These people are filling their tags. There's one particular turkey hunter I know. He's so anti-decoy, so anti-fan, anti-this, anti-that. Now I'm anti, he's anti-fighting, trying to get where you can't use that tungsten out there to hunt turkeys and probably go to extended choke tube. But he is a good hunter. He fills his tags from state to state. He hunted seven or eight different states, filled his tags in almost all of them. So he's not a bad hunter. But yet he's sitting there trying to put down all these people that don't hunt like he does. And so what I think you will find is a very selfishness, an unbelievable selfishness. And they hide behind the fact that they're in it for a turkey or that they're in it for the deer. They're in it for the wildlife. No, they're in it for themselves. And as long as they know this exists, they can do it. But here's what these people miss, Chad, that I'll never take for granted. You know, I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are, rich or poor. You know, we all in this controversy of different things from abortion to everything's like this. And I heard a comment the other day from, you know, uh, something about uh, somebody who was pro-abortion said sometimes these kids would be better off to be killed or aborted than to live the life that they're destined to have to live under the circumstances. Now, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to go into the, you know, anti pro or, or for or against but I thought that was one of the weakest comments that I ever could have read. And here's why, because I don't care who you are, rich, famous, born into money, born into the world that you are a celebrity son or daughter, born into poverty, born in the richest place or born in the poorest place. We all are going to face immense tragedy, immense heartbreak immense letdown and depression at certain times of our life. And at the same time, we're all going to have an opportunity to have joy and love and experience. But where there's love, there's a chance for a heartbreak. And what I mean by that, I ain't meaning just by a man and woman getting married or husband and wife or girlfriend and boyfriend. And we all love our moms. You know, you know, I love my mom. You know what's heartbreaking is when I lost her when I was 16. Did it change me? You dang right it changed me. Was it tough? Yeah, it was tough. I've also lost, you know, just this past year, I've lost two, two uncles that meant the world to me, that were mentors to me. Um, you know, we've all been through situations. Some people have been through bankruptcy. Some people have lost, you know, their wives. They've had kids that's passed away. You, you've had so much stuff. And so being rich or famous or born into good or privileged doesn't ever change that. So what I have found is that when it comes to hunting, 
hunting was my recreation to cure certain things that had my mind bogged down. Hunting is what I feel like saved me from never being a dope head or being on some crazy drugs and possibly getting off on crystal meth. Now people say, oh, well, you didn't have the willpower. No, I, I feel like I did. But you couple that with a knowing that there's a Friday night and I know that I'm still crying about my mama. I'm 16. I'm still hurt. But my dad says, hey, boy, them persimmons are dropping. Now you need to get home and get in bed. And we, I bet we can go to that cemetery and a big old dozen will come out and we can get one with our boat. But be here early because Scott Steiner's coming in and he's going to be trying to get on that persimmon tree over here on the south end if you ain't make, make it. If you don't think that affects me being at a party on Friday night, I'm like, you know what, boys, I'm going home. I'm going home. I need to talk with my dad before it goes to bed. Now, this is before cell phone. This is what he told me before I went. I get home. I'm home at 9, 30, 10 o'clock when my curfew is 12. You know, going through a heartbreak with a little high school sweetheart. I still got turkey hunting, honey. You know what? I miss you. <laughs> but these bluegill are biting, baby. These bluegill are biting. So if we don't think that the power of the outdoors in a dead turkey, whether it be a Jake or a Longbeard, whether it be behind a fan, whether it be behind a turkey call, whether it's by crawling, if you don't think it don't have the power to pull somebody off drugs, if you don't think it don't have the power to possibly pull somebody out of possibly shooting himself in the head. We never think about that. I think about it all the time. For me, the outdoors is way more than filling the tag. You can use it to save a life. You can use it to save a soul. You can use it to save somebody from heartbreak and misery. And if you can't save them, you can at least put a little Band-Aid on that situation they're going through. I've seen it. I see it every day. I see it in broke people. I see it in rich people. I see it in white people. I see it in black people. I see it in the Mexican culture. I see it everywhere. So these people who don't see that, shame on you. You know, and shame on you when you can't say congratulations to these same people when they have success. So think about it. You think about your ridicule. You think about that. And if you don't think it means something, Chad, when you have people come through and they want to shake our hand or me to come possibly shake, it could be a Robert Denario, could be a Donald Trump, could be Blake Shelton. If you don't think there's power that somebody stood in that line for an hour to possibly meet you and you can't greet them with congratulations and hug their neck and shake their hand and hear their story and figure out what kind of person that they are, where they're at in life, whether they're going through something tough or they want to experience some kind of joy with you, you ain't much of a human. And so for me, that's been the best part of my career is to meet those people. And I'll fight for them to the day I die. I, there, there's some unbelievable, badass, awesome people. And they come from all walks of life. And I don't know, it, that's that's deep, but that's a fact. So that's why, why you see if it's a Westie or if even some purist is mad about hunting turkeys. No, man, I'm fine with you taking your message and trying to sell it to these people that's heartbreaking and say, hey, if you're going to get into this, if you're going to get into this, try it this way. You know, it ain't going to be as fun the way this guy showed you. It won't be as fun the way Waddell showed you. I want to mentor you and bring you in. But you find they're not doing that. They just don't want this guy to kill one because they want to kill one more. And see, so they're worried about these tags killed and our resource, supposedly. We're overshooting flocks, overshooting herds, overcatching our fisheries. But what are them jokers out there doing? Steady getting their limit. Steady getting it. They steady getting them Oreos. They want all 20 of them. I don't even know how many comes in a pack. So they kiss my ass, man. I'm telling you, I don't like I them. It. I don't like them. I'll fight them the rest of my life. I'll fight them. I will. I, I, I will. just got a, I just got a threat message to stay out of Kansas. 
Um, we don't no, want I... you here. We, we don't want you here. You've already ruined our duck hunting and our goose hunting here. Stay off of the Arkansas River. Stay out of Kansas. And I'm like, wow, man, that is freaking deep. Like you don't even you don't even want me to come in there to visit Kansas anymore. I'm a big Royals fan too. I love George Brett and Bo Jackson. I like going to Kaufman in Missouri on the border once in a while. I can't even do that anymore. Like I was like, where's the boundary? What am I allowed to do? Am I allowed to go to Wichita and watch a Wichita State baseball game with my buddies? Like, what am I allowed to do? I just can't hunt ducks or can I hunt ducks and not record it and put it on TV? Is that what you're mad at me about? Because an outfitter once asked me to come to Kansas around Hutchinson and showcase his lodge and, and do what you've done with Eric Dunn. Hooray. The Eric Dunn is yeah. an unbelievable human being, but they said, don't do it because you already ruined it because too many people come here to hunt now. And I'm like, yeah. I want those people to come there to hunt. I want those people to yeah, know that to there's hunting. That experience. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I get the same thing. I get, I get a lot of the same thing. And, you know, and, and uh, I guess there's one point I get it. Um, you know, I, I was that kid r- growing up and, and look, I always said, I, str- I, I remember used to struggle. I've said it at seminars, you know, get up and I love hunt turkeys and get up and there's five turkeys gobbling. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm terrified. Somebody else will hear them five turkeys. Now I'm sitting here thinking, okay, at this time I got three kids. That's three turkeys. I can legally kill three myself. So immediately I'm feeling this overwhelming greed coming out of me. And it does. I think that comes with maturity, but I'm like you, Chad. Maybe we are spoiled that we do get a chance to go on some adventures. So, you know, if I want to give the, the, the local community the benefit of the doubt, I, I get it. I, I do get it. But at the same time, there is some pride that they can take in that, that there is somebody that possibly lives in Alabama that can come to their state and their area, maybe their county, and be blown away at not just the hospitality um, but the hunting and the experience, and that has also been a great part of my job is the experience, just the love and the kindness of humanity, and also go to these places where the resources are phenomenal. And so you're right. I think you're doing your job by sharing that. Um, and, and there's just, there's just, there's just, you got to get used to sharing some of these things. And I'm not mad at those people. I'm not mad when I get those comments because I'm not saying at one time in my life, I might not have been the one to send an email if I knew how, you know, back when I was 18, I was back in the, I don't even think we had AOL.com. That, you had to have a pigeon. You, know, you had to but, send a pigeon. So, so I get it. I don't get mad at them, but it is a deep maturity that comes with that. And, um, and, and I don't so get I mad do either. Think. I don't get mad either. I yeah. just, I just want to welcome them here and say, Hey, if you ever want to kill a swan, we have great swan hunting in Nevada. If you ever want to get that part yeah. of your waterfowl journey out of the way, you know, like I, I just been welcomed in by so many people like you have that it's hard to to fathom that I wouldn't be just as welcoming in return. And I want to be that guy. And it is a maturity deal. And what, we'll do this again. I want to talk about those different levels of maturity through a hunting career and how Michael Waddell at 49, 50 years old, is he yeah. still as mad at him? Because you did hunt turkeys a lot this year, but you made a comment today that I'm going to end this conversation with that your pictures were different this year your pictures were so happy and so unscripted and so unset up and i give you kudos on this because i watched it very closely of like what else doing something different this year with the way he's showcasing his success and i saw it the pictures the, the one of them a lot of them didn't even have a dead turkey in them a lot of them were just two buddies standing there and laughing and holding a bow or holding a gun because I know how you and I both feel about bow hunting turkeys, but we're not going to get on a soapbox and say, don't do it, Michael Waddell. I just think that they should be shot with a 12 gauge. Um, 
That's right. I, I, mean, I give you kudos yeah. for that, Mike Waddell. This year watching your spring was so awesome because it was different to me. It was a different aura and a swagger. But I still think you love to kill turkeys. I just don't know if you need to be the one pulling the trigger, squeezing the no. trigger every single time now. 100%. 100%. And, and it's funny. I, you know, I wasn't even trying to really kill turkeys this year for myself, and I ended up still killing a decent amount. But my joy was was being with these different people. I think we had five or six different people this year get their first turkey, and I was part of that. Man, that that's awesome. that is an amazing experience to to have that, whether it be a kid or adult. I mean, some of these people were in their late forties, you know, and, and got their first turkey. And you're exactly right, Chad. It it, it is a different maturity. And you did bring up a point, you know, even talking about bow hunting turkeys. I've shot a lot of turkeys with a bow and arrow, and uh, but I've also lost more than I've shot, meaning I hit them and couldn't find them. Now, man, I love Hoyt, and I shoot shoot bows. Bow hunting is my life, but I don't bow hunt turkeys. And um, I just don't like it that good because I've lost a lot of turkeys, and you can lose a lot of turkeys. Now, a lot of people maybe say they never have, but even though I don't, I'm not one that's a big promoter of trying to go shoot turkeys with a bow and arrow i would never in a million years try to tell somebody they shouldn't nor would i ever try to tell somebody that it should be illegal and be fighting for this because that is that man's right to take that um uh, so so i do think there there becomes a, a more maturity and as it comes to the pictures you're right chad i've always thought the hunting industry is a little bit too scripted i've always thought it's too little polished and um and and you know, if you look at the best photography, you know, if it's documentary, it's just drops of life and pieces of that, that culture and pieces of those months and those hunts and those hours, those minutes that you capture. And so for me, man, just, just, just capture some of the love and the fun, the excitement, the intensity. And, uh, and, and I feel good that, that I had a chance to share my love with turkey hunting this year and obviously i hope that goes right into elk season and deer season to show how unbelievable awesome it is and these same people these same people that enjoyed it some of them come from i mean they come from all different walks of life some of them have an extensive amount of money some of them have none but these are the same people that now that they're in our club yeah we got to share these resources with them now because i guarantee you they don't went and bought shotguns and camo and calls they're wanting to look at other things they can hunt now. So somebody's going to have to move over. Uh, somebody's going to have to open up a spot in the hunting club. Somebody's going to have one more non-resident around them because of me getting somebody turkey hunting. But what I will say, that's the same people now that's on our team to fight for that resource as well. And if the limits get lowered, they're going to be fine with it. If, if an organization needs more money to go fight legislation, they're going to be there to support their dollars. They're going to be the ones that's understanding about habitat and putting it back into their duck club, into their turkey land, to their deer land. So it, it's a win. Uh, yeah, there is some there is some things that we have to learn to be unselfish with, but it's a win overall. So I believe in hunter recruitment. Um, there's some people that want it. There's one guy that he posts a turkey, Chad, and he puts like Urkmenistan or you know, Ogor, <laughs> Middle Earth, because he, he don't want nobody to know where he's nobody. at. Nobody. What a dick. What a dick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know what I'm going to do? I know you're busy, Waddell, and I know that you have a family in Georgia, but I'm going to start a campaign today for uh, Waddell 
I don't know who I'm going to get as your running mate for 24, but you got to run for president in 24, man. You're the best there is at this. I don't say that. I don't say that in gist. I'm not saying I'm serious about the presidency, but what you do for our space and this industry and this culture, this lifestyle that I cherish, that my dad taught me, that my grandpa taught him before he taught me. So I don't know why they don't want mentors. Mentorship is so big in this. And you, you have mentored my mind today. You mentor so many people's. I hope that this message gets to, it might, you know, 25,000 people will hear this podcast and maybe two of them will take your words to heart of saying, you know what, let's get more people involved. And that's all we need. And I truly appreciate who you are. I'm honored to call you a friend. And I'm so glad that I get to share this lifestyle with you, Michael Waddell. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. And and like I said, Chad, I, I, I can't say enough, man. I believe in us. I believe in this community and, you know, probably that would be the biggest heartbreak is if everything I would be fighting for this community would let me down, but it's not going to happen, Chad. I just know it too well. It's been my whole life. I've, I've been around these people from small towns to big towns to, to people that that don't have no money to billionaires. And I'm telling you, they're not going to let anybody down. They're not going to let our wildlife down. They're the same people that's also going to make sure they fight the poachers and the people that are taken and not given. And so I think it's only just that these people that have a chance to take some and they get their limits and maybe they just get one out of that limit. We got to celebrate them, man. We got to love them because they've loved me. They loved you. And sure, we've gotten some hate, but these ain't the people that I'm talking about. These are the people that don't get it. They don't know our heart. They don't know our fight for, you know, this culture in a world where we're fighting for every kind of culture, every kind of opportunity you know, sticking together and understanding and being open-minded. And I can be open-minded to different tactics and different ways, but I'm never going to be open-minded to the person who just wants to stop something based on their opinion of a tactic or way of life. I'm not, I'm just not going to do that. And, um, and so I'll just keep celebrating the hunters. That's my team. That's the team I want with me. That's who I choose to fight with. That's who I want to go in the bunker with. And I'll always be that guy. I've never, and I will never lose my roots when it comes to those things. And, um, and I believe in the general public hunter period, whether he's hunting public land, private land, I believe in him. And I wish more of these people that we're talking about would believe more in us, not me, not you just believe more in us because we do have a back. And if you look at history time and time again, it is the successful hunters and the people that participate in hunting and putting their putting some of this wild game on their table and on their wall. They're the ones that's always saved our wildlife and our fisheries. Always, oh. always. It's and, and anybody that gets that confused and they start talking about bunt guns and they're talking about well how'd the buffalo get killed off? You're talking about acts of war and you're talking about poachers. That's what you're talking about. You're not talking about hunters. You're not talking about the general public. And for anybody to say that us rednecks ain't smart is a lot of people out there, they're underestimating us too. We know as much about the biology of these turkeys, these deer, and these animals because we live it every day. We might not can say the scientific terms, but if you don't think we don't know certain things, and if you don't know and think that no matter what tactic that we use, if you don't think we've already predetermined and preset what trigger we're going to pull, we've already, no matter what the state says we legally can take, We've already predetermined by our own standards of how many and what. Duck clubs do it. Deer clubs do it. Turkey hunting clubs do it. Fish ponds do it. 
nobody's going to love this wildlife more than the people that enjoy it. And they give back a lot. And we've got enough people in place that are fighting for this opportunity to make sure it grows, that we can't enjoy it without some asshole coming in and trying to say we're undeserving. And I will fight that person the rest rest of my life. And I will go back behind him and tell that same person that they did. Congratulations. You are deserving. I don't care how you did it. I want to hug your neck and high five. And let me tell you about this bow hunting. If you think that's fun with a rifle, you ought to try it with this bow. <laughs> you think you pump now. You th- And by God, if you think turkey hunting, what are you going to do in the green timber when you got a bunch of mallards coming in? Have you yeah. ever caught a five pound large mouth? And boy, if you ever get lucky, you can go up in the northern, northern country and you might catch you a five pound small mouth. That's all I'm going to do. That's what I want to be part of. And I want to be around those people. So that's my rant. That's my stance. That's how I feel. And those are the people I want to live my life with. And that's the people I want to die beside. Amazing, man. Absolutely unbelievable. Michael Waddell, bone collector. The, in my opinion, the best to ever do it. You are, man. You're the man. You're the one and only, buddy. I appreciate you. And I'm going to try this, and then I'm going to let you go. Can I get you on this podcast telling me, Chad Belding, that I can join you in turkey camp in the spring of 23? Oh, make a commitment. Yes. All right, Chad. Well, you got to come turkey hunting with us, buddy. We'll come on, man. No, you got to say spring of 23, Waddell. 2023 got me on video man got me on podcast I i'm can't. coming i got it i got I'm one of those guys it. once i get my word i can't back out so i guess i gotta take you now all right i'm gonna, I'm gonna cut this out and text it to you once every month until then okay <laughs> michael waddell thank you brother you this have a be, great this would be every every month we'll see this social media post right <laughs> i love it man thank you brother thank you chad take care buddy tell everybody uh, today All right. I appreciate it. That's Michael Waddell, Bone Collector. We will be back with another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. Thank you all. This was an awesome one. Today's episode was brought to you by our friends and family at Bone Collector and Realtree Outdoors. Friends, family, the outdoors. Thank you very much, Michael Waddell, for being here. This has been amazing. Let's go out with a song that me and Michael have in common. It's on the Bone Collector album. This is called Duck Blind. Dallas Davidson, Red Atkins, the Georgia Peach Pickers. This is Duck Blind on the Bone Collector album. Thank you all for being here. Here come the ducks, hit the high ball up. Shut up the dogs, stare at the water. I'll say when, hold on, y'all wait. Hit them boys, boom, 12 gauge. Out in the mud, down in Mississippi. Maladuck, yeah, that's what gets me Shooting this steel cause I can't shoot lead But I don't miss, I just knock them in the head